welcome back to the Hayden Ratner Level Up Leadership Podcast. It's a gift to be in the room today with one of my favorite leaders on the West Coast and really an influencer in our nation. This is Pastor Trey Van Camp joining us. Wherever you're watching or listening to this, if you're on the road right now, don't take your hand off the wheel, but somehow just give a little clap right now. <laughs> Pastor Trey Van Camp's in the house on the Hyde Ratner Level Up Leadership Podcast. That's kind of a lot to say. Episode two. This is episode two. First guest. Am I your first guest? You're the first guest on the episode. I'll forever be your first guest. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for making time to jump on with us. There's somebody that's going to lean into this podcast that I really believe is going to get better because you made the decision to jump on with me. We just finished Rise Weekend, which is our student retreat that happens over the course of a weekend, Friday through Sunday, and really a powerful time. Pastor Trey preached four different sermons, finished up this morning at Walk Church. And man, talk to us about how God was moving this weekend. What was it like for you? Oh man, yeah, I just, I loved the anointing that was in the room. Mm. I'm not gonna lie, I was a little bit nervous. It's, it's been seven years since I was a youth pastor, yeah. <laughs> you know? So right. you know that feeling of, man, how am I gonna connect with the youth? Um, man, it was such good, such good energy, such good. Uh, I just love the kingdom collaboration. Right. Uh, you could feel that in the room. Yeah, five different churches. We brought our youth groups together mm -hmm. and pulled off this weekend that had a lot of energy and a lot of sugar and a lot of yeah. gospel. You know, every opportunity we had, we wanted to share the truth of, of grace and Christ with these students and their leaders. And so just to see a lot of great fruit coming out of it already has been exciting. And uh, we wanted to just tag on this podcast for those who may be wanting to grow in their leadership. One thing we say all the time here is we believe every person has leadership potential on their life. Mm. And what I've found is sometimes that's surprising for people. Sometimes that's surprising for students to think, whoa, leadership, I'll get to that, you know, when I'm out of college. And no, no, you can be a leader today. Right. You, can, you can be a leader in your locker room. You can be, a. there's a mom that's listening to this right now and is thinking, you know, I don't, I'm not on a stage. Listen, you're on a stage in your house. Mm -hmm. You're on a stage with your kids. You're on a stage in your marriage. You're, maybe you're a single mom right now. You can be an influencer in so many different ways. And that's really what leadership is. John Maxwell says, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. The greatest influencer of all time is Jesus. And we believe he wants us to be leaders in the, the space he's given us. And so I wanna just talk a little bit more about that with you and kick off some leadership lessons that you could maybe impart to different people who are leaning in today. Um, let me just start with some of your story. So first off, you're from Arizona. You are a Phoenix Suns fan. For life. Quick trivia, favorite Phoenix Suns player of all time? KJ, Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson, interesting. Yeah. I, he just made a real imprint on my life, you know, when I was a kid. So. KJ was incredible. Is that or Steve Nash? But Nash, Book is yeah. getting up there. Book is starting to secure, he better stay. Yeah. He needs to stay. Yeah. And he's he really good. Yeah, for sure. He's been loyal. The Steve Nash era was incredible. We, well, I had a, I, had, I was a Suns fan for that moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm more of a players fan. But at that moment, I was a Suns fan because I was a Nash fan. And I'm yeah. still upset with that Spurs team. Oh, that's an asterisk on that one, man. Robert Ory. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Sorry, we're getting off on some uh, <laughs> Phoenix Suns stuff. But Kevin Johnson was really great. Yeah. He had a couple he's like. He's a little guy, you know? He had a couple dunks, though, that were. Insane. Hey, my favorite uh, Phoenix Suns player outside of Nash, Rex Chapman. Oh, 
His son's name is Trey. No way. And I grew up playing against him. That's in, awesome. Uh, travel ball all the time. Yeah. That brother could shoot the rock. Yes. Oh my goodness. All right, yes. let's jump into some leadership content. You guys planted a church, you and your wife, Jordan. Yes. You have three girls, Sela, Faith, and Trinity, and you guys planted in 2016. Can you just share a little bit about your church planting journey? That was roughly six to seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Just talk just a little bit about that journey. We'll dive into some leadership content. Yeah, you know, I surrendered my life to ministries at an event just like what we hosted this weekend yeah, wow. when I was 13. And even that framework of surrendering, surrendering to ministry wasn't even in my mind. It was just really Holy Spirit led. Um, and so, yeah, since I was 13, I knew that I would I would be in the ministry somehow. My dad's a church planner. Got it. So uh, when I was 12, uh, he started to go into ministry. He before was just a business owner. Got it. Um, so with that, I told God I'll do anything but plan a church. Wow. Because... <laughs> Man, we went through a lot of hard seasons. Uh, we went through a lot of fluctuation uh, with no building uh, and the economy hitting 08, 09. We lost almost everybody. In wow. fact, that summer we had to sell my truck as a 16 year old. I had to sell my truck for us to make ends meet for the rest of that Man. summer. We said, God, like I want to do ministry, but this church plant thing, maybe maybe it's something else. But uh, you know, as he as he does things. Um, yeah, the Lord just kept bringing me back. I had different opportunities. Uh, I was actually uh, presented an opportunity to be like a, an assistant to a really, really well-known pastor. And it just kind of was the fork in the road moment. My wife was like, hey, I know that's all sounds great, but what do you think God's calling you to? Yeah. And that's where Vance Pittman helps a lot. You know, God calls you to a place. And my burden was just so much for where I am where I was raised in Great right. Creek. That's awesome. And so I said, I'd really just love to go back home and plant a church one day. And so that's what we did. So and good. so we started in a movie theater and then COVID hit, you know, and mm. so movie theater was no more. And yep. so we've been in a building uh, at a church building, but we're actually about to transfer uh, possibly right now to a school again, if, if wow. that opens up for us. So yeah, it's been a journey. Yeah, absolutely. Quite I love, the journey. I love church planting in a school. Um, mm-hmm. There's something about the partnership that comes with that and the accessibility to use the space, kid space. Yeah. We meet in a cafeteria, but we, we transform it into a worship center. Right. And um, man, excited for you guys on this journey. I pray that your next stop um, is the best stop. Thank for you. you. We're guys. ready to level up. Ready to level That's up. For That's sure. what we're doing on this podcast right now. Um, Passion Creek. Talk to us about the name. Yeah, it's just a, a simple. So our, we're in Queen Creek, Arizona. Okay, we Queen have passion Creek. for our city. Yeah, and that word passion actually implies suffering. Okay. A lot of us just think energy and mm. excitement, but suffering, like the passion of the Christ. So yeah. we want to suffer for our city. We want to wow. be the first ones to, to you know, serve it and love it. And so we love our city. We love. That's why we're called Passion Creek. Love it. Yeah, that's dope. So one question, you're, you're, you're the first guest on the podcast, so I yeah. can't say we always do this, Ah, yep. but one day I can, and I'll start with you right now. I want to ask this question, right? It's the Level Up Leadership Podcast. Talk to us about in this season of life for you, Trey, give us at least one, maybe even two ways that you're leveling up in your leadership in this season. I love that. You know, I've actually just, uh, can we get real? Are you right it's, with that? It, there's only one option is to be real. Yeah. This is this is the podcast to be real on. I love it. In fact, I think that you've been a real blessing for me this weekend on mm, this. Um, wow. The last eight months have been hard for me and my, my leadership. I had an opportunity to go somewhere. Mm. Uh, I kind of fell through last second. It's just, uh, it's too long of a story for this podcast. But essentially, I, I've really kind of woken up the last month or so realizing I need my confidence back. Wow. I didn't have my confidence. I, I've been walking with a limp. But wow. not just walking with a limp, I think that's okay. 
but I've been leading with a limp, hmm. you know, um, kind of feeling bad because I told my people I was going to leave them and then I came right back, which partially they're happy about that, but also just feel bad. Like, oh, I was about to leave y'all. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so there's a lot of that, but just kind of, you know, in first Peter four, Peter prays for the church and he says, may, and so the one who speaks, may he do so as the ones that has the very words of God. Wow. Just remembering yeah, that anointing and that authority that I have in preaching the word of God. Absolutely. So just leveling up and just owning that authority. Yeah. Um, knowing that humility is always the way. Yeah. Um, but man, I was wearing that weakness a little too much, you know? Mm, yeah, sure. So vision casting again, leveling up That's in that. good, man. Owning the moments, creating better environments. Mm, sure. I, yeah, you know, the word you use there, I think, is an important word, confidence. Yeah. Like, when we think about leveling up in our leadership, you say, you know, I think I'm getting my confidence back. I think that people want to follow a confident leader, yes. not a prideful leader, not a leader who knows it all, but a leader who's confident in who he or she is. Right. And because of who we are in Christ, we can have confidence. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of a verse in Hebrews 10. I think it's Hebrews 10, 25. It's really a verse about the blood of Jesus, but it says, because of the blood, because of the sacrifice, because of what Christ has done for us, let us not lose our confidence mm -hmm. in who we are as children of God. And, and let us approach the throne with confidence. Yeah, yeah, and let us approach the throne with confidence. I think that's a good level up leadership word for people that are leaning in right now. Grow in your confidence. Yeah. Step into the room today with a little bit more confidence. Even if you got a limp, right. we all have some type of limp in some area. Um, go ahead and own it. <laughs> right. Go ahead and embrace it and walk with... I wonder if Peter, you mentioned Peter had to do that. Like, yeah, I'm the guy who denied Jesus. All right, mm -hmm. let's, just, let's just get that out there. But I'm not going to be defined by that. Right. Like, praise God, Peter's life doesn't end in the Gospels, go read the book of Acts and watch Peter change the game. I think that he approached the, what was it, the gate of beautiful, where he saw the, the lame man there in Acts 3. He had confidence about him. He said, look, silver and gold we don't have, mm -hmm. but here's what we do. Get up and walk. I don't know. He said it confidently. I don't know if I would be like, he, was, he had faith. Yeah. Even the lame man was like, word? Like, mm -hmm. starts running around the temple. It's a powerful story. But I think that's a good word. Leaders are confident. Right. You know, yeah. Leaders are yeah. And I just had to be honest about the season I was in. And I think it was okay for a while. Right. Um, not to, I don't, I don't believe in fake it till you make it. Sure. But at the same time, man, you got to own what you do have and yeah. go all out on that and celebrate that and move forward. Yeah. So yeah, I just want to lean in on that. That's good, man. One of the letters that I've been using to define a good leader, I've been using this acronym LEAD, L-E-A-D. And the letter A stands for awareness. I believe great leaders have great awareness, great self-awareness. Yeah. That's what I hear you saying here. You're saying, you know, I, I was, I've been in a season of brokenness, a season of confusion even in some ways because you thought things were going one way and, and ended up going a different way. And, and that's come with challenge. Um, but one, you're aware of that, mm -hmm. that that's been hard. You're not uh, disillusioned to the reality of a tough season. But now you're also aware, all right, like, I think there's this moment in 1 Samuel that's really interesting. Um, it's it's after a difficult season in David's life uh, where um, he fell into sin with Bathsheba. He had a child that died, and then he grieved for about seven days. And then there's this moment where he gets a word from the Lord that says, okay, your time of grieving is over. That's good. 
it's time to get, it's, you got more in store. There's more chapters to be written in your life, David. Yeah. And there was, mm -hmm. but I think he needed that, that nudge from the Lord. Like, let's get back up. You know, there's a real culture right now of acknowledging emotions and yeah. counseling and that needs to happen. And yes. And amen. Amen. But I think we like to stay victims. Mm. You know, it's Word. like we're people look down on saying, "No, I have victory over that now." But no, right. we need to. Like yeah. we need there that there is a time, and so we need to be healthy in acknowledging the grieving season. Sure, of course. But it's over. Let's yeah. move forward. I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Get get back up. The righteous gets back up again. That's right. And we we do that in Christ, not in our own strength. And let's muster up enough stuff in ourselves. Now, praise God for the Spirit of God who. He's the one who helps us level up in our leadership. Yeah. Um, man, such a good word. I want to talk about a book you recently wrote. Mm -hmm. It's called The Non-Anxious Pastor. Um, I have it right here. If you are watching this online, if if not, come on, hit the Amazon and go come find on. this book and leave a review and and get you one. Um, really a dope book. You you lean into three H words yeah. in, in what it looks like to be the non-anxious pastor. You talk about the head, you talk about the heart, you talk about the hand. Why don't you just pick one of those that we can talk about, heart, hand, or head, and how that applies to leadership, how that applies to being less anxious. Mm -hmm. Not everybody that's listening to this is a pastor or a ministry leader, but everybody on here has leadership potential. Yeah. And so one of these words I think can apply. Everybody who's listening right now has a heart, mm -hmm. has a hand, has a head, yeah, and that can help them uh, grow as a leader. Let's just talk, maybe pick one of those. Yeah, I would say definitely I wouldn't address the head. Uh, I, I think in my my three sections of my book, my first section is my weakest. Mm. I'm just like trying to just state the gospel. So there's nothing interesting or unique. People are like, oh yeah, I've read this before. But section two and three are what people like write me back and go, oh wow, like this was- Came alive. Yeah, this was gold for me. This was really helpful. I was just say, let's just go with the heart for now. Um, so it kind of hit me. I was actually reading a book about Netflix and their success. I was okay. really interested by it. Sure. And they everything uh, changed for their company culture when they found out about a study. Uh, I think I believe his name is Professor Phelps, but he did the study of recognizing how much anxiety can ruin a room. Mm. And so he did this group project, and he had these uh, four people in per group, and there's a hundred dollar reward for the college students. Wow. Every college student, what? So there's incentive here. Sure. To get this group project done in an hour. But they put in each group, there was one actor. So three people not in on it, one person. Well, the one wow. person had different uh, personifications to embody. One was just to be a jerk. So wow. right when the, it started, not only just mean, just mean towards people, like this isn't gonna work, you're yeah. not smart, that kind of thing. Yep. The second one was a slacker. So he's visibly just laying on yeah. the table, just not doing anything. And the third one was the depressive pessimist. Mm. Very depressing, nothing's ever gonna work, right? And so they actually said within an hour, within 45 minutes, almost every group just didn't even finish the project. They began to embody the anxiety of those other people. Wow. Uh, those are anxious responses. Being a jerk, that's actually yeah. an anxious thing. Typically, yeah. jerks don't think they're anxious, but it is a very anxious wow. thing to do. Yeah, um, And so in my beginning of my book, I say, well, man, if they ruined a whole group project in 45 minutes, what do pastors do over the course of 45 Sundays? Wow. Right? Because we can have all the right techniques and thoughts, but if we aren't embodying yep. the presence of God and a non-anxious presence, we are infecting the people around us in a negative way. Deep. So then it's like, man, I know I need to be non-anxious. How do I get there? Because right. there was one group in that group project 
that succeeded, and it was because they had a visibly non-anxious leader in the group. In fact, he was the son of a diplomat. And so he wow. just took the jerk and put him in a corner, and they finished that group project, and they succeeded. How about it? So I think pastor is a huge role in today with so much anxiety is to set the room in our own hearts where is where it starts. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton has this line, the best gift you can give the people you lead is your own transforming self. So good. That's what leaders do. They're self-starters. They're self-encouragers. Yeah. They grow themselves. Yeah, start with me. Yeah. And Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Right. And I think some of us, we need to like fully adopt that. Don't be too humble. Like, no, you need to follow me as I follow Christ. And if I'm not worthy of being followed, then I'm not a leader. There we go. Right? Yeah. So one huge element is the head, understanding the gospel. The heart is huge, the identity piece, right? So I think for a lot of people, um, for example, I talk about in the book, we can either be chasing greatness or choosing goodness. Mm. Now, chasing greatness, if you're just chasing greatness, it can lead to despair. It can actually lead to you cutting corners. It can lead to you being an anxious leader. Yep. But if we choose goodness, choose for the goodness of the city, choose for the goodness of people, greatness tends to follow, right? And so I actually talk about That's in good. the book, um, it's called The Ego. A uh, professor had mentioned that it's called embedded growth obligations. Okay. We're in a culture that believes in the ego wow. and the ego is killing us. Yep. So like Netflix, to mention them again, everybody's like giving them a hard time because their stock still isn't growing. Mm. It's like, can we just celebrate that Netflix like almost in every household in the world? Yeah. But they're like, sorry, we have to figure out how to grow again. Why? Yep. Embedded growth obligations. It's wow. never enough. Never enough. You always have to grow more. And not even at a pace of like yeah. over the term, of, you know, a decade. No, it's right. by this quarter, this financial quarter, you need to show increase. Yeah. Well, that's influenced the church as well. And I can this can be taken wrongly too, mm -hmm. because we sure. are, anything that's healthy grows. Yep. But pruning is a huge part of the growth process, mm -hmm. right? In John 15, Yep. right? To produce much fruit, there are pruning seasons. Yep. And so I think for some yeah. pastors, I think we have to let go of our ego. Yep. And, um, and what happens is it's called the crisis of limitation. Um, so what happens is, uh, you ever, you, have you had your midlife crisis yet? You're not old, but... I, I don't know that I'm there yet, no. You're not there yet. But I don't think I am there yet. Amazing. Praise the Lord, yeah. So there's this uh, couple of books that talk about... Like, have you? I yeah, had a miniature one yeah, last year. Yeah, a miniature one. I mean, you went through a tough season. You just shared yeah. that. Yeah. Don't let me distract you. Keep going. Okay. So there's this uh, this concept called the crisis of limitation. And typically, people experience it when they become middle-aged and they freak out. And Got there's it. two responses we have within the flesh when we realize that we're limited. Number one is we become the conceited pastor is what I talk about in the book. Yep. We're just like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite, right? I can throw this football over the mountain. Like we yeah. just, That's we so don't good. accept our limitations. We just lie and deceive others that we're better yeah. than we really are. Yep. How many pastors have you met like that, Hayden? <laughs> right? Oh man, they're all over the place. Where it's just it's just talking big game, and mm -hmm. it's not big game about Jesus. It's right. big game about themselves or their right. brand or yep. whatever. And I see that, and that's an anxious response, and that creates resentment in their yeah. followers or yeah. narcissistic tendencies, all that. But then you have you have the uh, conceited pastor, but the other option is the wounded pastor. Yep. So you recognize those limitations. And if I'm honest, I think that was kind of the season I'm talking about getting out of. Yeah. You wear those wounds. You yep. no longer have confidence about anything. Yeah. And you are now like, oh, pity me. Man. And so pastors find themselves in those both of those camps. Those are both anxious responses. Sure. Um, so what we're called to do is not to be conceited, not to be wounded, but just to embrace how we're limited. 
Yep. We're a limited pastor. And that actually yeah. is so much freedom. Um, Paul talks about it in First Corinthians, how he talks about his domain of influence that God has given him. And his job is just to honor that domain. Right. Right. And totally. so we're limited. I love uh, Pete Scazzaro. Yep. He always tells people, hey, I'm not busy. I'm just limited. Mm. That's right. A, that's a crazy just, way to think about it. Yeah. Receive your limitations. Yep. And find joy in that, but lean in. And so chasing greatness is so out of our hands. I hope we all get there. Right. But we can choose goodness every single day. Today. Yep. So that's that's one area of like to remove that anxiety. You know, I don't know if you're going to blow up on YouTube. I don't know if, but what I can do today is give people value. Instead right. of looking for validation, yeah. I'm going to every day show up and just give people value. Yeah, that's a good word. I think so, some of what I hear you saying is don't focus on what you don't have. Yeah. Focus on what you do have. I shared that with actually one of the host home leaders at Rise Weekend. Um, one of our leaders was expecting to have a larger group stay at their home. And when it came to the night of, just a handful of them weren't able to make it. And this individual was just upset about that and had this big plan of how it was going to go. And that was the word that I just wanted to encourage them with. Yeah. Hey, you know what? God's not surprised. This isn't an uh-oh moment for him. Why don't you focus on what he is doing? Mm -hmm. If there's only two, that's because God wanted you to be with two. If there's eight, well... Focus on the eight. In, in fact, multiply the eight. But you got to start somewhere. Yeah, faithful with few. Faithful with few. And yeah, I think that when I hear you say choose goodness today, you might not blow up. You might not break through necessarily today. But what about a bunch of little goodness over time? How do you walk a mile? It starts with the first step. Right. You'll realize you get further along. I think in the context of leadership, this this is a word um, you might not be the leader you want to be yet, mm -hmm. heavy on the word yet. Um, but I think you can eliminate some anxiety by just getting a little bit better today. Yes. Progress is power, validation, affirmation. I got, a, I did something. I, wh who was it? The, um, this was like trending a while back, the military dude who would make his bed every day. You know, it was like- Jocko? Or maybe it was Jocko. Jocko Willick, I think, yeah. He's like- and, and just the feeling of accomplishment, mm -hmm. like, motivated me. I didn't do everything, but I did do something. I made my bed. Yeah. And the accomplishment was I did something of value. I, I, I contributed today. Um, and it could be, it could just start right there. Yeah. You know, complete something. Read the proverb of the day. If, if, it's, if it's the fifth, read Proverbs 5. If it's the 10th, read. But, hey, at least you read a chapter. You got something in, you got better. I think that's that's a good way to find value. It's a good way to make war with anxiousness is by choosing goodness today. I love that word. Mm -hmm. Lean in a little bit more. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about um, the head? No, the hand. The hand. The hand, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd love talked to. about the head. Head is more knowledge-based. Right. Head is more information-based. Mm -hmm. um, let's move into the hand for a second. Yeah, so I uh, love, I've been studying church history and a lot of the revivals that come, it's either from like this great Holy Spirit worship-led moment or other times though, it's led by like people getting real serious with their habits. Mm. And so they call it like a rule of life, life like St. Benedict has a rule of life. Got it. So I've been thinking through what would a rule of life or a way of life, I prefer that language, look like today for pastors. Mm. So I was thinking through, man, the, what are practices, habits, um, so I kind of 
process in my own life, the last couple of years, I've found three daily habits and three weekly habits that have been transformative and helping me transform. Because the best gift I can give to the people I lead Good. is my own transforming self. Yep. And so it's a digital. Hold on one second. You got to say that one more time. The best gift. Go ahead and drop that one more time. Yeah, the best gift you can give to the people you lead is your own transforming self. So good. Right? And so my habits, actually, I just preached this today at your church, right? My habits are what shape my heart, is what shape my future. Yep. Um, and so I'm thinking through, okay, what can I do on the daily and on the weekly that can conform my soul, my thoughts, my mind, my body towards the way of Jesus? Yep. And so I split it up in the in the book in three different ways. You have the digital way of life, the devotional way of life, and a dinner way of life. Now, of course, you can find more habits that you should add, absolutely, but these are six that I think are really helpful for the modern age. So the digital way of life, you need digital simplicity. You need to get away from your phone, yeah. right? So one thing I share is 510 to win. So in the mornings from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m., I am not on my phone at all. Kerry mm. Newhoff, have you read his book, At Your Best? I haven't read it yet, but it's on my list. It's great. About the colors, green, red, yellow. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the different heard, energy levels. Mm -hmm. heard it's great. Yes, yeah, so good. And it, I've actually organized a lot of my life that way naturally. And when I read the book, it was very affirmative for me. Great. I am most effective in the mornings. Okay. They say the most productive people on the planet are only productive for five hours per day. Mm. So I was like, Lord, I'm going to give you 5 to 10 a.m. no matter what. Maximize those five. Maximize that potential. Maximize that productivity. Wow. So that's my quiet time with the Lord. I count that as being productive yeah. and, you know, bringing sure. God my best. And then 510 for them is at night. I'm away from all things digital, no TV, no phone, all that. And just being present at the dinner table. You know, we talk about being present. It's so hard to do that when you still have your phone. So yeah. step one is to get rid of the phone. And then you'll have a lot easier time connecting with your kids, yeah. connecting at that group or whatever. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, there's it's it's likely that we're if you have your phone close by or if you have it unlocked and it's in your hand, you're probably at best sixty percent present. Yeah. Sixty forty. And if you're getting messages coming in or if you're reading something. I'm just not strong enough to have it in my hand and not do it. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I love to learn. And yep. that's what I realized. Like, I'm on my phone a lot because I'm learning. Right. But I even need to give space for my brain to stop learning and let that sink in and yep. be in the moment. So you do 5 to 10 a.m. and then yeah. the same rhythm on the in the evening time. Yeah. In the evening, I'm more available on my phone. Like, I, I have my watch, so I'm able to be available if somebody needs me. Yep. But I'm not surfing. I'm not checking anything out in that sense. But then the other side of that is digital storytelling. So I am, I have put it in my daily rhythms. How am I communicating the gospel message to my YouTube channel, Instagram? Like we need to be sharing the story of Jesus with our digital means, which totally. is what you're doing right now. Yeah. Right? So that's yep. the digital way of life. So I try to get some tips. I've done YouTube for over six years now. So right. get some tips on how to storytell. But then you have devotional way of life. Uh, and so that's scripture and Sabbath. Mm. So scripture I do every day, you know, it's uh, one big line in there is, Reading your Bible, it's not about marking off tallies for God. It's about marking out time with God. Great. That's been transformative for our people, just to remind them yep. the whole purpose of reading the Bible. So that's pretty simple and straightforward. And then Sabbath practice, you know, it's kind of really popular right now, which I'm grateful for. Yeah. If people actually do it, though, I think if people you like it. talking about it versus yeah. actually doing it. But the reason I love Sabbath as a weekly rhythm is I believe you block the Holy Spirit when you walk in a hurried spirit. Mm. So if I'm always hurried... I'm missing out on divine interventions, right? Divine appointments. Totally. And so I'm putting it in my day, in my weekly rhythm to slow mm -hmm. down, be completely yep. disconnected, and to hear from God. Man, that's great right there. We, we block the Holy Spirit when we walk with a hurried spirit. Yeah. Whoa. 
Yeah. yeah, I've been thinking about that idea that, you know, we never find a moment in the scriptures where Jesus ran. Mm-hmm. Um, not that he's against running. We just don't see him model that too frequently, if, if at all, with his disciples. I've heard somebody say that he's a three mile an hour God, because that's the wow. walking pace of, a, wow. of for an hour. It takes you know, three miles one hour. So it's not that Jesus is anti-productivity no. or momentum. In fact, Jesus is covering a lot of ground walking. And the data shows the most productive people, Sabbath. Wow. That's not the purpose of it. But like you give me six days with a day of rest and I'll bring more energy, more productivity than your seven. That's so good, man. Yeah. I'm going to think, I'm going to choose to believe God knew what he was doing when he put that in place. Right. You know, that that's this concept of rest. And, you know, we're not resting because, man, it's been a long week. I know Pastor Chris Hodges says from Church of the Highlands, we're resting to get ready for the week. Right. You know, it's so the it's the first day, not it's the, the last first day. day. I think sometimes we have that mentality like, okay, I need a Sabbath. And well, I, I think, think you and I need a Sabbath right now, probably yeah, after this long yeah, weekend. This rise weekend. <laughs> we're here yawning. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, just we've been rising up. Yeah. We late have night, lots of early morning. God. Late night, church, mm-hmm. two services, cool connections, boom. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I sense when you do that, when, first off, I think in leadership, you should give it your best. Yeah. You know, you should go all out. You should make a difference. I think that's a word for somebody that's leaning in right now. It's part of your life. You know, you, nobody forced you to start a YouTube channel. You said, I'm going right. to do this. That required you doing the research, buying a mic, setting up your station. By the way, if you're not subscribed to Trey Van Camp's YouTube channel, my man, let me plug that really quick. Um, YouTube.com slash Trey Van Camp. Yep. Check that out. I love watching his documentaries and uh, just seeing how God's at work in your life, your family, your church. Such a great follow, Pastor Trey. But, you know, there is this idea of we should give it our best, mm-hmm. we should work hard. We should, Absolutely. and we should rest hard. Right. You know, I think that that's important because you're you're honoring the Lord, something that He called us to do, but you're also getting ready for what the Lord's gonna do. Yeah, it's a false dichotomy of yeah. like, oh, you want to talk about rest? That you know, yeah, no, it, they both go together. Absolutely. Yeah. And and Sabbath has meant the most to my kids. No you doubt, know, that's feeling good, loved and seen, and uh, they're so excited about those rituals. It's a life giving thing. Man. So, you know, I never want to put ministry before my children. That's right. never been a temptation for me, honestly. Gotcha. I think being a pastor's kid is helpful with that. Sure. I've just, like, I'm seen not it. interested. I've yeah. seen it. Um, but then you have the dinner way of life. Mm. So quickly to close with that, um, yeah. you know, fasting has been like a life changing for me. Got it. Um, I'm somebody who likes to indulge in experience, indulge in food. Like I just have like this disposition that I need more. Mm-hmm. And so fasting is a declaration that Jesus is enough. Yep. And I don't, I can discipline my body. First Corinthians nine, keep it under strict control. Yeah. And one way to do that is to it's fast. Good. No doubt. Um, and so I really find my spirit is a lot more attentive. Um, there's just fasting. Um, it's not trying to earn God's grace, but it's training to burn God's grace. Wow. So Dallas Willard has a line about how grace is like jet fuel for a 747. Yep. So Christians use grace more than anybody. Wow. And like I'm using it, dispensing it. No doubt. And fasting is bringing that grace in and wow. walking and operating in that grace. That's so, a fresh view of fasting that I yeah. haven't really considered. Yeah. So like even church history shows, like for our college students, mm-hmm. it's been so transformative for them who actually do it. Those who struggle with like sexual addiction, pornography, my first advice is confess and then it's fast. 
and they're actually shocked. It's not wow. fast of like pleading for it to be gone, which right. that's fine too. Sure. But it's just simply the practice of, of saying no to your body. Wow. When you say no to your stomach's desire, it, it empowers you to say no to your sexual desire. Wow. It's a gateway. Dang. Deep. So like, yeah. So I, I struggle in overindulging. Yeah. Um, and, and not in that fashion, but of just like trying to feel like everything's okay. So I go to the food. And when I fast, I'm just in a better spirit. Yeah. I, I'm content. How about that? That's the word. Isn't that so funny that you know, sometimes our bodies will lie to us. Mm. Or like you talked about that recently. Don't follow yeah. your heart. Yeah. You know, your heart is deceptive. Yeah. Um, and and so sometimes the thing that tries to coach us, this will make you feel better. Um, actually, fasting from that very thing might make you feel better. Right. Which is just a wild idea Yeah, when it comes to just li lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But that's a good word on fasting. Historically, uh, the church used to fast twice a week. Wow. Most of us have never fasted twice in our life. Jeez. You know? It's a word, man. Yeah, and then the last thing is feasting or okay. hospitality. Yep. So take us home in our in our neighborhoods. You know, like in certain cities, there's different levels of receptivity to the gospel. Yep. More and more, they're going to expect our hostility until they experience our hospitality. Mm. And the scriptures say, right in First Timothy, that the qualifications of an elder may he be hospitable. Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, for me and my family, we're putting that in our calendar. Great. Like, we want to be men of uh, a family of God that does that. Sure. And so on Tuesday nights, we have you know hospitality with our group, you know, our small group. But then on Friday nights, it's with a neighbor yep. or uh, somebody I met at the gym or whatever. We try to be very mindful Hospitality. and invite people over and just to have dinner. We don't have an agenda. We just want to get to know yeah. them. And people love talking about themselves. Totally. How, how would you define the word hospitality for yeah. somebody listening to this, whether they're a student, adult, young adult, older adult? What yeah. is hospitality? Well, biblically, it's philozenia. Philo means family, family, right. familial love. Xenia yeah. is stranger. Okay. Or alien. Wow. So it's to make a stranger a friend and a friend to a family member. What a word. You know, so that's just like right there. But yeah, it's just, it, I think it's literally, we're, we're in a world where everyone is trying to get validation. And in that moment, you are the person who's giving value. Yeah. Not getting validation. You're there for that person, not the other way around. I think that's such a good word on leadership. Leaders are hospitable. Yes. Leaders are not just drivers trying to drive over people to accomplish something. Leaders are the most loving people in the room. And at the same time, not just to the people that they know, but the people they don't know. Yeah. Um, that's a one way to, to spark a leader, to tell a leader apart from maybe a, a group is like, who's showing kind of like a tangible version of love here to people that they don't even know. Yeah. I think that's a good challenge to level up in. Yeah. If we're going to reach our cities, if we're going to reach our neighborhood, if we're going to live out the great commandment, love your neighbor mm -hmm. as we love ourselves. Jesus one-ups it in John 13 as he's loved us. I think that's one of the ways to live that out. Well, let be, me just say, be I think, more hospitable. Yeah, I think you walk that talk. Um, wow. I was just at Walk Church this morning. Hey. And, and I think that's the thing. I think what's so great about you as a leader, Hayden, is mm. you create that space for people to fully walk into what God made them to be. So good. Like you literally have made an environment at your church wow. where people blossom. Come on. Like I think there's an anointing in your your house, mm. you know. It's incredible. That where people just it's natural for them to step into all that God's made them to be. Wow. And so you've created that hospitable culture That's good, at man. your church and I'm really grateful for that. I was very inspired by that. Praise God, man. I'm glad that it could be inspirational to you Pastor Trey and um Glad that you were able to be a part of it. Yeah. It, it blessed us. It was definitely a reciprocation on 
on that. Hey, I think closing word, leaders are listening, leaning in right now. Some are watching. Um, what would be a closing word on how to level up your leader? So you gave a, a, a word on how you're leveling up right now. Give a closing word to people. Hey, here's how I think you could level up in this season. Let me just give you one level up leadership nugget, tip, challenge, whatever you want to call it as we close this podcast out. Yeah, I mean, it's so practical, but man, I think I'm fully bought into this truth that leaders are readers. Mm. And I think some, of the, some of the best mentors are dead, yeah. but they wrote to us. But they wrote to us. And so I think looking through church history, I think some of us were orphans because we don't know our church fathers and mm. mothers. And so, man, I just put in a rhythm of, of learning. I, I like to do a rhythm of like three different types of books on a regular basis. Okay. So I'm theology, staying sharp on my orthodoxy. Good. Uh, but then also spiritual formation, books on prayer or fasting, all these other things that we're talking about. Sure. And then the last one is leadership. You know, okay. so like my last book I just finished uh, yesterday was Craig, or not yesterday, right before I came here, uh, Craig Rochelle's Lead Like It Matters. Like It Matters. It was just so powerful and inspiring and so simple and to the point. But um, yeah, I try to go between those three constantly. Yep. And it just, it's a way to have mentors without having to pay money to go fly and see them. And Right. You know, they're too busy for me anyways, but I can learn from them from a totally. distance. Man, leaders are readers. That's right. Pick up something and read it. Get your wisdom up. Get your insight up. I love what you just said. Some of the best leaders are dead, but they wrote. Get in their brain. You think about it. Person listening to this right now. If you were to write a book, how much of you would you bring out to put that book together? You would... You'd probably give your best thoughts, your best wisdom, your best quotes and notes and stories to come out with a book. Yeah, a lot of those are still- Throw the whole kitchen sink at it. Yep. Throw the whole kitchen sink at it and put that thing together. That's inspiring me as I have a few things I've been working on. I need to put that down. I need to put that out. I want other people to eat off of it too and ride and learn from it. Praise the Lord. Well, great word. Great Level Up Leadership Podcast. Thanks everybody for- leaning into this episode it's episode number two I, I hope that there was something in the course of our conversation that helps you grow in your leadership and get better till next time thank you pastor trey for jumping on with us thanks man grace and peace grace and peace